Go to cufflinks.com slash DVR today and use code GOT20 to save 20% off their amazing Game of Thrones products. And every week on our YouTube live roundtable, we'll be giving away a Hand of the King or Hand of the Queen pin. So please join us. And while you're on the interwebs, go to cufflinks.com slash DVR. Look good when you walk out the door in the morning. Elevate your style and your look at cufflinks.com. Now on to the show. This is Podcast Winterfell bringing you the roundtable. Right now, we are just getting kicked off. This is a fresh thing, fresh start. So instead of the fan calling where we give out a strict number, you know, uh, just plaster it out there, we're going to do it so that we invite you on. So if you want to get on, if you have something cool to say, if you don't want to drop by for a minute, you don't have to show your face. You you know, you can just be on audio-wise, video, however you want to do it. Uh, send us an email, podcastwinterfell at gmail.com, and we will send you a specific link that you can come and join us on a Google Hang. And we'd love to have you because we like to have a variety of different people. Tonight, we have a variety of people, and it's a great list of people. Before I get into that, I'm going to talk to you a little bit about the show, because you may be new to the show, being as we are in a new format. This is YouTube. We are a podcast first. That's right. The name of our show is Podcast Winterfell. Our feed is Podcast Winterfell, and you can find this on every major podcast streaming device app however you want to get there. We're also on Pandora. You know, we're we're out there. We're part of the DVR Podcast Network. We're also part of Patreon. And we have a wonderful presenting sponsor, Cufflinks.com. They're outstanding. They've been great to us. And they've been great to you guys. Because I have a Hand of the King pin to give away tonight to a lucky participant of the podcast. So... One way or another, we'll figure out how to give that out later. Might do a little contest. Might do a random giveaway. We'll see. But somehow, some way, we're going to get you that. And I uh, have a nice lineup. Someone else just entered the chat. I'm writing it down because now we have six guests and your host. And we're going to have a jam-packed podcast. So... I'm not even going to tell you mostly about me and my thoughts and the things that I wrote because I want to ask questions to the fans. That's what this is about. The fan calling morphed into the fan roundtable and it's all about the fans and our friends and this community that we're all a part of. You know, uh, if we're all going to die, as in Valar Morghulis, then Valar More Podcasts. Because that's what it's about. So bring it on. And we're going to have a bunch of people on. So here at Podcast Winterfell, if you're not familiar, we do four podcasts a week just on Game of Thrones. And that's just our standard lineup. We have other podcasts that that we might sprinkle in. We might get a, a guest here or there. But we got the initial reaction on Sunday night. That's outstanding. That's he- Axel and Heath used to helm that. Then Heath moved over to Wednesdays for the deep dive and Axel now is grabbing 
surprise guests from the Game of Thrones podcast community. And so far, knocking it out of the park. He had Jinx on last week, who's with us tonight. Little teaser. We He had Ken on last night. Well, two nights ago. Oh, yeah, it was last night. Losing track of days here. That show was phenomenal. And I'm not telling you who's next week. Because that's a big surprise. As is all the rest of the weeks. But... Since you can't be on the initial reaction, you could be on this show. Every Monday night, 10 o'clock, youtube.com slash podcast Winterfell. One word, one pod, one love. So, well, I did that with two fingers. One love. So, we, you know, we got the feedback. You hit us up. Go over to the uh, website, podcastwinterfell.com, or email us directly, podcastwinterfell at gmail.com, and... We'll get your stuff. We'll talk to you. We'll, we'll read it. Hopefully, you know, it'll inspire you to call up, get on the show. So, you know, someone dropped a guitar. Uh, I don't know what that was. But we have a bunch of awesome guests tonight. I'm going to tell you, we got AU Pack Mule. We got Jim from Canada. First time. On YouTube, not long time. Wait, strike that, reverse it. Long time, not first time. There you go. But we're all first time on YouTube. That's right. This is the reboot, the rebranding podcast Winterfell fan round table. Fan round table. It's hard. I'm used to saying fan calling the fan round table. That's right. The table is round because we cover Earth with these internet cables and fiber optics and satellites and all types of good magicry. So, yes, like I said, we had Jim from Canada. We got Vern calling in. We got Jinx coming on. We got John and we got Patreon Gina in the house. That's right. Gina, who is... I'll, you know what? I'll tell you what she's up to when I bring her in. So, I'm going to go in order by the way people called in. And what I'm going to do first is ask for a rating, and then we'll get into it. My ratings, I kicked them down the stairs, and when they fell down the stairs, they flew outside the basement window, and they're gone. So my rating system is completely new this year. Uh, for uh, Westworld Theorycast, I decided to go with an emoji rating system. That was fun. This year is all colors. Last week, I gave it... A burnt sienna, because I always remember that name from the Crayola box, and it made me feel intrigued as to such a wild name. So that's how I came up with last week's rating. This week, fluorescent hot pink. Loved this episode. Loved it tremendously. And since I feel it's probably going to be the last bright episode we're going to get, uh, it's, I'm going to give it one of the brightest colors in my Crayola box, you know? So hot pink, that's what we're all about. Fluorescent hot pink. Cause this episode was emotional. Got me feeling good. We got all the great pairings, the great banter, little jokes, but not too funny. Not like pushy brown jokes, like just cute jokes. And I feel Happy and sad, but I feel like that's the last we'll get of it. <sighs> so, you heard my rating. I'm not going to 
get too into it until I'm able to put it together with everybody else. So first up, I'm going to bring in the pack mule, the AU pack mule, the man who's AU because he is golden. That's right. AU pack mules, a YouTube uh, sensation. He's all over the place. He's been on with Axel. He's coming on to our podcast here for the call-in, for the YouTube call-in. And I'm delighted to have him and hear what he has to say. And I'm going to welcome you on. Welcome on, Pack Mule, AU Pack Mule, John. Tim, thanks so much for having me on. Uh, my name is uh, John. I'm from the channel YouTube, uh, AU Pack Mule. You can follow me on Twitter there and Facebook. But, uh, yeah, this is a great episode. I gave it a 9.5 out of 10. And I uh, thought it was almost perfect. So, yeah, mine was a bright white with a stark gray direwolf, uh, without a doubt. <laughs> Excellent. All right. So, how about uh, something you like, something you want to bring up, something that's bothering you, anything. Floor's yours, and go for it. Well, nothing really bothered me except for the nudity with uh, Maisie Williams. It's kind of hard to... As an older guy, to appreciate that, but uh, I definitely enjoyed almost everything. The most special part for me was Dolores Ed, Sam, and John with Ghost sitting there. It was just perfect. So, um, yeah, those were the highlights for me. Awesome. Yeah, those were those were great scenes. I, how could you not like that Sam scene? <laughs> Jinx is here. That's right, dropping jokes. She's calling from the History of Westeros studio. Jinx is a fixture in the Game of Thrones, Song of Ice and Fire community. And you've recently heard her right here with Axel last week, giving an amazing breakdown of the episode. And Jinx, say hello, give us your rating, and tell us some great stuff. We want to hear from you. Hello. Uh, thank you so much for having me back so soon. It was wonderful to talk with Axel the other day. Um, definitely go ahead and give that a listen. If you, like me, are buried under a hundred different Game of Thrones podcasts right now, you should put mine at the very top because it's a really good one. But <laughs> right now what we're talking about is A Night of the Seven Kingdoms, which is Probably now my my new I well I'm just jumping on the bandwagon and I'm you know saying it's also my new favorite episode of Game of Thrones. Um, I actually saw an IndieWire article that said that nothing happened in it, and then they gave it a C plus, and they didn't even mention Brienne's getting knighted scene. So that was a bad take. In case you're wondering what a bad take on this episode was, that that's one because the only good take is that this, I, I'm going to give it an 11 out of 10. Um, although Jorah's still alive. So, okay, maybe a 10 out of 10. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah, he always uh, wanted him to keep his grayscale, right? And I am really just tired of that motherfucker. <laughs> I mean, at least this episode, he said something useful instead of like puppy dog Jorah. I personally would be willing to debate the utility and uh, necessary-ness, which is a new word that I just made up, of his scene with Daenerys. But I understand that the point was to really stress that Tyrion is somebody that he does have faith in. And so he's going to learn from his mistakes. And so he'll learn from that grass weapon or what happens next time that Cersei presents a problem 
Um, my favorite part of the episode, though, was finding out finally, after many, many years of mystery, what it was that made Pod return with money, even after he was sent away to go see sex workers, money in hand. And it wasn't that his dick is magic, because as I have maintained for years, sex workers don't give you your money back if you're good at having sex. However, we love tipping people with skills, and he has a beautiful voice. So I think that they all hooked up, and then he sang to them, and they tipped him, and that's why he got all of his gold back. I mean, It makes sense, because we don't know anything that doesn't happen off screen, and... You know, songs can make anybody giggle. They could make anybody happy. They could get anybody want to throw money into your empty guitar case sitting on the side of the street. So I could buy it, and I'm going to roll with it because that was a great song. And gosh, the camaraderie in this episode was everything. It was so great. And to me, song is just binds people. You know, there's a reason that all types of religions use song. It's joyous when people can sing about something they're all interested in or a tale they all know, or, you know, even if it's dance, uh, you know, style, something, whatever they want to, you know, get into music kind of has all types of emotions. And that song, I, I, I've learned so you know this week, uh, in the last couple of days that it's a big book nod, and it was a pretty song, and it was really nice. It was very beautiful, and the actor who played Pod did a great job with it. Although the the version that was played at the end, which was by Florence Welch from Florence and the Machine, who is one of my favorite current songwriters, um, is truly haunting and uh, makes me cry. And actually somebody from our fandom just released, I'm totally blanking on who it was, but I just listened to her version of it. Um, sorry that I can't think of that. Follow it. I think some, uh, History of Westeros might have retweeted it. All right. That's always cool to hear. Hopefully, uh, Maybe Matt will do a blues version of it, but nah, that was, that was a nice song. And it, you know, it's a very cool version that Florence and the Machine did. Um, I saw a link to a video. I clicked it and I saw like a scene and I've been remaining on Sully. I haven't watched a trailer or a preview of coming up on. So when I saw a scene that looked like a battle, I shut the video off, but I left the audio part on. So. Uh, it was a, you know, listen to it. It was a really nice version and, uh, you know, it fit. I like hearing the whole thing out. So thank you so much for giving me the opportunity to come back for another season of the, the fan round table. And unfortunately, uh, because of our technical difficulties, we got started a little bit late. I do have to dip out now, but I wish everybody else the best. And I hope that you have an awesome time discussing this amazing episode. Well, we appreciate any kind of contribution you can give. Um, I did have some book questions for you, but well, I'll save if you them. Have, if you have a book question for me, I can answer a book question. I just didn't want to take up too much time. Well, I want other people to be able to talk. It's it's a little bit of a debate about the Night King. I just kind of, I figured you're like more of an authority that might be able to 
answer this for me. How long? Hey, you pack mules on this episode, and you're calling me an authority just because I'm in the history of the West history of Westeros House doesn't mean that I have any idea what I'm talking about. Well, I mean, you're one of them, so I had like this question next <laughs> one to you. of them, one of them. Yeah, you're the BRs. I've, what do they call the people who read? You know, all these reading people. But uh, no, really, it was more. I want to know how long do you think the Night's King's been collecting? Like based on what you know from the book angle. Like how long has he been collecting dead? Yes. To make that. Is it, well, it would be like my impression was thousands of years because he's not, he's the night King, but not they're the same night King necessarily. I think it could be somebody made the comparison to the dread pirate Roberts the other day on the history of Westeros live stream. And I think that might be a good one. I'm not sure if this night King is like the same night King, but I think, you know, at least since the last long night, do all the dead get eliminated in between or have, did they just kind of like fall back is a good question in my opinion. Um, but I, I honestly have no idea. I think the show makes it very, un- makes timing very, unclear because also like we saw leaf was in that scene with his creation right and so the next part to that how far do you think the knight's reaches how far is his reach yeah. in terms of like how far away from dead bodies does he have to be to bring them up right like what's the radius where you don't have to burn the dead bodies anymore that is so funny that you bring that up because I was talking to Sean from History of Westeros about this earlier because we were talking about the battle plans and I was like, does he have to physically be there? Does he have to like keep doing it? Can he have like an aura where like everything around him comes back to life? How much of the body has to be burned for it to not be able to be brought back? Like, does it have to like, will there be conceivably flaming whites like that were just reanimated after they were thrown on the pile like how do you manage that situation and i think it's it's interesting because you're not just fighting a horde of people who can't be stopped you also have to be constantly dealing with the problem of what do you do with your own sides dead bodies and the other body like you just have to be burning shit constantly so i think that's part of why they set that flame trench up around the perimeter that was a very good answer because it was kind of a debate in uh one of the facebook game of thrones groups and i I just basically said like why since we saw the bones in the crypt uh, uh down underneath uh the sept in king's landing where all the the dinosaurs were the like the fossils, the one that the arrow went through and uh, uh, Cersei was seeing the the basement with all the dragons. Yes, and stuff. so yeah. that means those dragons weren't burned. Like to preserve those skeletons, they didn't burn them. So why would this be the first dragon that they have in their army? I truly don't, I don't know. Cause I, the people are really debating about like the crypts and stuff and like how much bone and ligament do you need to be able to be reanimated? And I think that's just something that we can't, 
really have any conception of that probably is something it's one of those things that in the book it doesn't demand an answer in the same way that representing something on screen does because as soon as you have something on screen like in the books you can say like the dead rose and on screen you can be like well that guy only has a head left so does he rise does he not what's going on here like because you have to be depicting so much they probably had to sit down at some point and have a meeting of that sort in a way that George wouldn't necessarily just to drive the plot forward. Uh, all right. I like the answer. I like the conversation, but it's not going to help me win my it's debate. It's really unsatisfying. Yeah, it's not going to help, but you know, it's one of those Dharma initiative lost nitpicky things that we used to want, but we'll never get an answer for that. I, you know, you know me, I like my counting and counting the numbers and logistics and stuff. So it was just one of those things. I'm like thinking about the bones and I'm like, the army could be so much bigger that we don't even know about. And we could be in for a surprise. And everybody's like, if we haven't seen it, don't believe it. And I'm kind of go with that. I guess that's the best thing to go with. <laughs> Otherwise I'll go nuts thinking about these things. Speaking of numbers and stuff coming up, I think um, there are a lot, and I'm definitely not the first person to make this comparison, but there are a lot of comparisons to the preparations for both Helm's Deep and Minas Tirith uh, in the, the Lord of the Rings films and, and obviously books as well. And the most obvious of those being um, Pippin singing in front of Denethor uh, the steward of Gondor, and he has that that very beautiful song. And they kind of had a, a uh, I don't want to say like a throwback to that, but they had definitely it was it felt like a reference um, to that. And what I would really love would be like some Legolas Gimli like body counting, like if we could get Tormund and somebody else to be fighting and like get a little bit of like humor in there some comic relief about how many people they can kill that would be great yeah, little scout you know so hey watch this one two three four i just want to see legolas out of nowhere not even in the series but just like legolas appears and like gets on a shield and skateboards down the stairs that i just want to see that again if you know what if you get that then i'm gonna get my fan service Terrence and Philip popping up in the scene with John and Danny going, such a effing face, nephew effer from South Park. It's a really good thing we're not in charge of the show. I know. It would be, there would definitely be an animated uh, episode. There would probably be a musical episode. Uh, it would be crazy. But Jinx, that was awesome having you on. Thank you for answering a couple questions, getting your thoughts out. Sorry I couldn't stick around longer. But hopefully next week, we get the iron out, get the king straightened, and uh, we'll be good. <laughs> get all those wires in check. Thank you so much for having me, and have a great week, everybody. All right. Take care. Valamogulus. All right. So we had Jinx talk to Pack Mule real quick. I'm going to bring Jim from Canada in because Jim from Canada, he's been a uh, long-time caller to this show, he helped me almost every episode last season, and he was there probably as soon as I started the opened up the you know the chat, opened up the call. Jim's been there, and I want to welcome Jim on. Jim, welcome back. Thanks for having me again, Tim. It's uh, good to see you guys uh, 
venturing into a new format and uh hopefully it all works out for you guys man. thank you yeah once uh we get everything straightened out we'll be able to go live but for now we're recording this and we'll post it up later on the youtube channel uh but we got some great help we got a lot of friends out here that are technical savvy and also smart with our game of thrones stuff and participate so we got like nice little little crew everybody will help each other out but uh yeah yeah so you know now this is the second week on the fan call in give me a, a rating and tell me what you think all right well last week we went with an 8.0 this week we'll bring it up a notch eight and a half um i'd love to give it a 10 honestly it's one of my favorite episodes already uh but i think we're gonna scale up to a 10 like we did last year so we'll go with 8.5 uh, I think it's well-deserved. It was, um, in contrast to last week's episode, I think if you put these two episodes together and just watch them in one sitting, it would, it's almost like a movie on its own, right? Like, it's such a great kind of confluence of everybody gathering. Uh, first episode, you know, they got out all the quick paths, let's meet together. This episode, it was all about, you know, apologies, forgiveness, um, yeah, Jamie and Danny working things out. Jamie and Bran, Sansa and Danny, Arya and the Hound, Beric, Sansa, Theon. Like all these people just, you know, fessing up to their past sins, but all coming together for, you know, one final battle. So I, I loved it. It was great. Um, you know, it was just like sitting back and just watching a bunch of friends just getting back together and having a good time, you know, just before <laughs> things are clearly going to get worse. Yeah, it really was. And so many podcasts that we've done, we've been like, ah, oh, we'll probably never see them together again. We'll never see them together again. And it was like, boom, boom, boom. And, and when you saw two people on screen, normally it would have been like, that's it for them too. But then you'd see those two people talking to two separate people in a different conversation. And it made it feel like you said, like, like a friend, like home. Like we felt like, we were home. I mean, we are podcast Winterfell, but this is where we started the show. This is the family we grew with. This is, you know, it's where we saw little sister get it on. And necessarily, <laughs> we didn't want to see little sister be getting it on, but, you know, that's what little sister went and did. And we had to watch. Uh, unfortunately, yeah. we did, but the rest of our friends were around in the house and we got to see them all, you know, like you said, just making up, like making amends, some people apologizing. I happen to like the quick Aryan Hound. Like that was perfect because last week it was like, ah, they could have like been cooler a little bit, but like all the necessary conversations got out. I felt. Yeah, absolutely. And I, like I said, I think back to back these two episodes, I mean, just go to show you, you don't need like one big battle to, you know, to, to show the strength of, of um, what they've been doing for the last, you know, eight years, right? So, yeah, man, it was a great episode. And like I said, looking forward to the next one. Um, I'm glad, one of the things I'm glad they did was they interrupted John and Danny's kind of reveal, obviously. And, you know, it leaves you something for, I would imagine, the fourth episode to kind of start chomping on. And um, I'm guessing the battle is probably going to finish in the third episode and we'll have, like, one final you know, fight with the Night King. Um, and then, you know, we'll pick it up again from where they left off, right? So 
I, I think they, they ended the episode, you know, strongly. And, yeah, just looking forward to the next one. You know, you've hit us up with a lot of cool theories and things you thought. I think that's a wild prediction right there. There's only going to be episode three battle, and then it's going back to diplomacy? Yeah, that's what I think. Wow. I think ultimately for for TV viewers, and, you know, I'm familiar with the books as well, right? So, but for TV viewers, it, you know, I, I think that's kind of what drew people in, right? There's a lot of people that weren't interested in dragons and stuff and fighting. It has to be resolved, but I think ultimately it does come down to the Iron Throne and whether it's going to exist in the end or not, you know, which way they're going to approach it, who knows, but... Yeah, I think ultimately that's what they're going to finish up with. <laughs> I like it. I mean, because if we can get more of this, maybe not on the loving friendship side, but more of this dialogue, I mean, I'm all game for that. This is, you know, the battles are awesome, but this is the the bread and butter, like the, the juicy stuff. To me, this is fun. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I, I just remembered one thing. So you just said Juicy and it brought me back to Tormund, man. What a story. What a story that guy had to tell about <laughs> suckling on the giant teeth for three months. And that's how I got his strength, right? Was yeah, it? I couldn't stop laughing. It was probably the top five moments of the episode. Like, it added such levity to everything. And the way he said this story and then whatever he's drinking had like a milky tint to it. So yeah, yeah. it was like he's still drinking that. Like he was flexing so hard in front of Brienne, and he's like, "I'm gonna just put it out there. I'm not letting Jamie one up me at all. There's no way." Yeah, <laughs> yeah. What a fed. What a fed. Hopefully they uh, <laughs> they get together in the end, right? Like just for if for anything, just to you know make us laugh in a sense, right? So yeah, he was great. It was uh, it was an awesome scene. I mean, when you think about it, like. Everybody else on the show is quiet about the way they feel. He let us know he's interested. He likes her. He's been asking about her. He, you know, if anybody deserves her, he does. You know, Jamie's shy and beats around the bush and sleeps with his sister. So I wouldn't, I wouldn't want to ship them. <laughs> A lot of people like it because I guess the blondie thing. I don't know, California sun, how surfer thing. Yeah. I'm not into that. I like Tormund and oh, yeah. Brienne. Yeah, same here, same here. I, I, I think Jamie's path is different. I don't think he's going to settle down, so. Uh, Jamie's path is definitely different, that's for sure. Uh, what do you think Bram meant by that? You think he was, uh, Jamie's going to die or well, we're all going to die? Well, not us, but them. I, I kind of, I do subscribe to the, to the theory, I guess, that Jamie will be the one to kind of finish off Cersei. You know, they came into the world together, they'll go out together. So I, I don't think he's going to hook up with Brienne just simply because once it's all said and done, he knows Cersei has lied to him. Um, he's going to have to kind of tie up that loose thread once and for all, right? And, you know, he killed the Mad King to save people. I could see him doing it again and saving everybody by killing Cersei in the end. Kind of full circle, right? Everything comes right back around, just like we started with episode one. And then the last episode of season eight, or the first one, kind of had all those, you know, connections from the first episodes. I think he's going to end up going back and uh, finishing off Cersei. He needs like rings, like a maester, except he'll have king and queen slayer rings. Yeah, there you go. Exclusive club. Yep. 
Ah, good yeah. stuff. So, uh, one of the other things about the episode, and then I'll just kind of let you move on. Like, you know, I know you got a lot of callers tonight too. Just, um, you know, it was oddly comforting to see everybody kind of ready to die in a sense. Not that that's what's going to happen, but just the characters themselves, they're at peace with it. You know, they're, they're just, they understand now what is finally coming. And it was just, it was calming just watching it. You know, it was just one of those things where you kind of felt like you were there and you felt for them, but at the same time, it just, you know, whatever happens, happens, right? Same thing with Arya scene and that, that fireplace scene with everybody. It was just, uh, it was calming seeing them accept what they think is going to happen. Yeah. I mean, this is the true calm before the storm. Yeah, for sure. All right, cool stuff. Uh, I'm going to bring in Vern. So if you have anything real quick before I get to him. No, I'll jump on mute. If you need anything, I'll stick around for the whole call. Perfect. Yeah, if you need anything, shut up. We'll open it back up a little bit. So right now, yeah, thank you, Jim, from Canada. He's the man keeping the, the north at bay. He's keeping those White Walkers safe up there in the north. So right now, we got a patron, a longtime listener, a fan from across the narrow sea representing House Liverpool 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 Football Club. It's Vernon. Vernon Wright. Welcome to Podcast Winterfell, the fan roundtable. And we're happy to have you. And oh, thank you. Yeah. What'd you think? <laughs> yeah, man. Um, I was gonna first say it's like uh, four AM in the morning here, so just bear with me. And if I like nod off, just a uh, Disconnect me, but um, yeah, um, I enjoyed it. It was a really good episode. Um, it was a bit more emotional than I thought it was going to be. Um, I won't lie. There was a few bits in it where, you know, I didn't. I think I wasn't crying or nothing, but you know, I, my eyes were a little bit uh, damp. But um, yeah. Um. Uh. So yeah. Um, I, I'm gonna give the episode probably. Well, Five seats around the fire out of five because I enjoyed it. It was a bit like fan service, but it was nice to see everyone meet up and have their certain discussions and sort out what sort of problems or stuff they've had in the past and you know come to the sort of grand conclusion that they could die at any time tomorrow. So that was quite good. Yeah, it was a lot of that, and it was a weird way to see it like. We're not used to anything like that where there's such dire consequences that we would know are facing us the next day. Like mm-hmm. we're used to maybe, well, not used to, but if something happens, it's usually abrupt and, and it's tragic and we don't know about it. And mm-hmm. it just is sprung upon us. But this is a crazy battle they have to anticipate. So the longer they sit there, the more they're thinking about yeah. Most likely not going to make it. So mm-hmm, mm-hmm. these wrap-up conversations, I guess, were as good for us as good, and you know, as good for their soul. Like we enjoyed it, but like these characters needed this. Yeah, definitely. But I think um, you have to be invested from <clears throat> excuse me the beginning to really feel the, you know the emotions from it because I know a lot of people have watched this and gone, "Well, nothing's happened," but. If you'd seen it from uh, earlier seasons, you would feel, you know, the talk and 
having how how special it is to have these people together in one place. Um, you know, it doesn't always happen. We don't always get the answers, and we don't always get the character interactions that we want when we watch certain TV shows. So you have to tip the hat to them to that, and they they got that. <clears throat> Absolutely, I agree with that completely. You know, my hat's tipped, even though I'm bald, <laughs> not wearing one, but my virtual hat is tipped because, mm-hmm. like I was saying before the gym, like these are not only is the show so huge and we got to know so many characters. Normally you'll get a show and they'll focus on four or five, maybe six main characters and everybody else is a red shirt and it doesn't matter. But here we spent little tidbits of time with each pairing along the way, different stops in the journey, different battles and whatnot, fighting alongside, fighting against. It's just wild to see them coming all back around. I this was something I would never expect to have happened on this show. That this many of of our main core people are together. Yeah. It's a beautiful thing, man. It's a beautiful thing. <laughs> yeah. So all right. Jim thinks next episode is gonna be one and done battle. You think it's lasting longer than one episode? Um no. It's gonna be two, I think. I think it's going to be a lot of destruction and carnage and a lot of their money in the next episode. But I think it's going to be an episode on itself just trying to get the Night King on a one-on-one or to somehow take him out. I think that's going to be quite... Uh, I think that will be the, the second one or the third one. Whatever. Right. Yeah, I'm hoping two two full battles a episode. You know, two mm-hmm. full episodes of battle. Cause, I mean, we deserve it. You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, you can... I mean, they have the freedom now to actually spend 10 minutes, you know, on one little portion of the battle, like one character mm-hmm. fighting, you know, even like Jim was saying, uh, Jinx was saying, like the Legolas counting thing, like you could actually take 10 minutes of mm-hmm. Tormund kicking ass and, and follow him, yeah. you know, maybe he- like a POV cam or something cool like yeah, that. Really. But you, I think they're gonna. Sorry, sorry to interrupt. This. No, no, no. Um, I think they're gonna go from like left to right because they're saying that uh, Brian has the left side of the, you know, the defense, and someone's gonna have the right side, the middle. I think they could easily chop from side to side, and you could sort of work out where the weak, where the weaker sides are, and who's working together, and what alliances is help working there, and it's, it should be really good. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, me too. And this show is very cool the way they do the battles because it's the old school, like traditional uh, battle fronts where it's like walls of people, well, people versus dead people going at each other, you know, like we've seen in the history books, you know, this day and age, we don't fight battles like that. Everything is a lot more cloak and dagger or air based. It's not, giant lines of 10,000 soldiers versus 10,000 soldiers. So to to us, I don't know if, you know, you, but me personally, I never could comprehend why people would fight like that. Like it's, it's bizarre to me, but this is like that, but with like the real consequences, like the real way I would feel people would fight like this. Like there's no like, okay, you know, he killed this, the night King will stop. No, if he kills the Night King, they drop. So it's everything has a consequence, and it's mm-hmm. not like 
like there'll be decorum at some point and they'll be like, okay, these are war rules and we're out, you know? Mm. So I like that mixture of the old school fighting with, you know, consequence, like real deal consequence, not like, okay, we'll put our arms down. Mm-hmm. Um, I would also like to say um, with Brianne in this um, episode, I think she's from the beginning has always been very um, forthright, honourable. You, you know, you could trust her. Do you know what I mean? You would want her on your side in a fight as well because she can kick some ass as well, isn't it? Um, but just seeing her get knighted and just seeing that smile on her face, and I thought that was really nice. I thought she deserved something good to happen to her. She's been in a lot of uh, relationships which has been unrequited, um, really. I think her taste in whatever she uh, meant is a bit odd. But, um, yeah, it was nice to see her just being the main part of it and getting her knighthood. <clears throat> I enjoyed that. Yeah, right. Like, the, the knighthood was not only so honorable, but getting it by someone who we could kind yeah. of presume is her best friend because she seemed like a loner coming out of, you know, her house mm-hmm. and into this whole story and everyone she stood for has died. So she clung on to this path of redemption, you know, to get Arya and Sansa back to Winterfell and now she's a part mm-hmm. of a team. So like Jamie doing it makes it so much sweeter. Definitely, definitely. And, and even like the the part seeing her training everybody on the other side of the wall when Jamie was up mm-hmm. top with Tyrion, you could get a sense like she's just so about it. Like she's really into helping people. Like she's, I guess like I would compare her to like the female Davos because Davos is just all in everything too. No matter if mm-hmm. it was for Stannis or, or now the, this cause like Stannis is just a team player. And I, and I like mm-hmm. both of those characters that way. Yeah, definitely. Um, I was also um, with the Arya thing. I, I'm 38 years old. I love women and all that, but I was just—I've always seen her as a young girl, so it was a bit like, "What the hell's going on here?" Do you know what I mean? It was a bit—I don't know. I know she's 21 years old, and you know, whatever. But it was just a bit like, "What, Jesus?" Yeah, it was, <laughs> even being 21, she's portraying a 16-year-old, right? Would she come yeah, in at 12? You know, yeah. How many years do we go by in this show? Three, maybe? Exactly. exactly. She can't be that old. She's definitely a, bit old, a little bit, um, oh, shit. Yeah. I was hoping she was going to turn into, like, the... Oh, can I swear? Sorry, I didn't know. Yeah, it's all good. It's all good. All right. Um, I was hoping she was going to turn into, like, a, a female spider, the Black Widow, and then, like, <laughs> kill Gendry right after they did it. Like, I got all the info <laughs> out of you. Pa 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 pa. Because that's all I want to do. I want to, I like, I get excited watching a little teenage, young teenage girl s- slaughter people in, like, violent ways. And that's satisfying. But thinking about her having sex is like, oh, my God, what's going on? Mm-hmm. It's it's so strange. It's very weird how we view this show. But, yeah, it's like watching Little Sister. Now, you don't want to see that. No one wants to see that. Nah, and there's, you know, I don't know. That's... Not normal. <laughs> but the way I heard, you know, I think it was Matt's audio blog, they were the way they were talking about it, it really was cool how she just sucked out all the information, Arya style. Like she got like basically played the, the game of faces with them. 
and just kept asking questions and questions and questions and, you know, trying to catch them off guard. Like, no, come on. How many girls? How many girls? How many girls? No, nah, that was cool. I, I did like that part, but I could have done with, without the side boob and little Aria, but because even look like, like changing a kid's diaper or something like, come on, Aria, whoa, put that, you know, like, you know, like when you, you have a little baby, you see that little like half crack, like it still looked like little kid, you know, like, I don't want to see that. Go away, little kid. Go kill somebody. No. <laughs> uh, but now nah, it was cool. It was, you know, the progression of it, it was worth it to know that it happened. We can joke about it as fans, but, you know, I'm glad I'm glad there's nobody out there like, oh, I'm so hot, because they'd be get stabbed in the eyes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, I was going to say, uh, Tormund, with his uh, milk, uh, milking the giant mother after, after he killed the husband thing, was that was pretty funny. I do think he's great. You think it was true? Um, <laughs> with him you wouldn't know would you no that's what's great about it <laughs> yeah. I would say more than likely mm-hmm. say that again sorry I would say it's more than likely because I don't know like how do you get that name he's giant you know he's big himself like maybe <laughs> yeah. or he was just real flexing hard like Brienne look what I got giant's bang yeah I thought I thought he'd kick off a little bit more to be honest I thought when he saw Brienne, like, getting that from uh, Jamie, I thought he would be a bit more up in his face. Like, you know, that's my woman and whatnot. But he was pretty cool. I was glad he was clapping and all that. It was, it was good. Yeah, but it fit because that was, like, the northern way they were busting John's balls when he came up above the wall when they were with Mance and stuff. Like, they said the same jokes yeah. to him and shit. Like, the, ah, the red, the red, the red-headed girl, you know, she'll take your, virgin, your virginity, you know, whatever mm-hmm. kind of ball busting they were doing. Mm-hmm. So I like it. It fits his character. Cool. That's all I can say at the moment. Is there anyone else wants to speak? All right, cool. cool. Yeah, Vernon, I appreciate you jumping on, being with us. Um, yeah, man, it was fun. If you know, I know it's laid out by you. If you stick around, and early. we got cu- <laughs> questions going on. Yeah, early now. But uh, if we got questions and you're around, I'll jump back. Yeah, man. Get you. Sure. That'd be great. All right, bro. Welcome. Thank you very much. Cheers. Be- Bye-bye. All right. Wow. This has been a great show so far. Uh, we're getting almost everybody in. And right now, I think we got two left that we haven't gotten to. And we're going to hit Mr. John Wambacher and bring him on in here because I know he's been patiently waiting. And he's a good friend of the podcast. He's a patron, public servant. You know, he, I, he's probably the only choice for president in 2022. You know, so he'll be on that ballot, you know, the great state of Maine, president of Maine one day, once Maine gets his own president, we'll have John Wambacher jumping in, saying hello. Hey, John. I think we lost him. He was just there, and he wombacked out of us. All right. Well, I gave him that awesome intro. I'm going to wait a second. For him to come back. But. Since John's gone. We're going to bring in another patron. She's. Been. This is the thing. Oh. John's back. Cool. We got him back. So. I'm going to hold that thought. John. Welcome back. Hey man. Thanks for waiting around. Appreciate you. uh, Sticking through the technical difficulties. And. uh, We're ready to hear. Your campaign speech. For this. Episode. (laughs) 
<laughs> no, it's awesome. It's so awesome to be on here. It's my first uh, podcasting experience. So that's pretty cool. Um, so no, uh, I would give it uh, uh, nine uh, nine glass daggers on this one. Nice. It's an awesome episode. Speaking of glass daggers, how cool was it that they fit the, the fixed them into the walls of the castle? Yeah, there was awesome details throughout the whole thing where they put them on spikes or on the yeah on the top of the walls. I mean, there's that's one really neat thing about the show. You know, it had like a a nice calm pace and everything to it, and it spent all that time kind of showing everybody prep and training people and seeing how they're using the uh, the dragon glass. And you think last year we were all like, "Oh my god, we're doing this big long uh, trip uh, to pick up dragon glass," and it seemed all so impractical. And it's great that they're actually showing that you know it wasn't as crazy as it all sounded. They actually are going to utilize it. Yeah, I, I you know you hear glass, you, you think so fragile and. To see Gendry be able to smith it and mold it into different weapons and be able to work with it and know it's that kind of material makes it a lot more, I guess, easier to understand that it's not just like like going to smash and break if you drop it on a piece of ice or whatnot. And uh, no, I love the details. I love learning those little tidbits. That it just it makes the show you know above everything. Yeah, they gave him, you know, an awesome role there, you know, uh, making all the weapons and everything. So it all kind of, it, it's all starting to form together so so well, you know. I mean, it's very logical and, uh, you know, gives him something to do. And obviously, uh, he found something else to do later. Sure. And, and without, like, telling us through dialogue, we just see it. And and that's, I think, easier to, to take in and, like, comprehend the, the material that we're dealing with. So, you know, uh, earlier we were talking about the moment when uh, the time with uh, Hound and Arya up at the top. Uh, and one thing that I kind of, I think my, my impression from that is that uh, they're going to survive because I don't feel like that conversation is their, that's not their like ultimate conversation, right? We had Brienne, she got knighted. It was like the most perfect moment. She has like this glowing face. She's like, She's just, she's DOA. I mean, there's like, I, I don't know how she's going to make it out of the next episode. Because, I mean, she had the perfect resolution to her arc, right? She got everything she wanted. It's 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 going to be trouble for her. But Ari and the Hound, they still have to kind of work out their thing. Like, when they, when they were up at the top of the, uh, of the battlement there, uh, I think that the Hound said something like, uh, I came to Winterfell because... And there's this like super long pause, right? And, uh, you know, it's just one of those things. Like nobody in the show can freaking say that they are coming there because they love anybody or that they have like feelings. <laughs> that word love is never used in the show. I don't care if it's John. Or nobody, nobody says I love you. Yeah. The first thing I'd say, oh, man, brother, I love you. You know, whatever. I mean, like, no, that word love doesn't exist. Yeah. I mean, it's. The only one that says it is Jamie, and it's usually before something ha- bad happens. The things you do for love, and you push you out the window. <laughs> you know, uh, it's like you know what they probably had their version of touchy Joe Biden, and they said, you know what, no touching, don't even use the word love. That's it. Don't no feelings, nothing. No, that <laughs> that's really funny yeah. the way you say that. But I feel you. Like you know, we, the closest we got was when Tormund comes 
piling in and hugs John. Like, it's like, yo, what's up, brother? And that was like as close to it without really saying it. But I, those. Yeah, no, there's an awesome, there's some awesome guy moments in there in that courtyard when, like, the, you had the, the Night's Watch get together. And then, of course, you had Tormund uh, throwing himself into the scene. Uh, you know, it was a great, a great moment for, for all those characters to kind of uh, acknowledge each other. So it was, it was awesome. Yeah, that scene back, though, with the Hound and uh, Arya. I feel like you're right. Like there might be something they're going to do together again, maybe fight together because Beric did funnily, uh, funnily uh, interrupt them in a funny way with a joke and everything. And then they, they got into the Lord of light and the hound was being, you know, funny, but it took away from the continuing of their conversation. Cause it's almost like they both had something else more they could learn from each other. At least one more thing. Oh yeah, they were getting ready to to uh, to say more, and then of course you know with your classic you know friend coming in from the other room, that's you know ruining your moment. You've been building it up this whole time to like try to tell the girl you know <laughs> uh, you know I love you or whatever, right? And your friend comes over. Hey, what are you guys doing? Oh man, come on, <laughs> come on. They're serving they're serving alcohol in the in the other room. Go on over there. Oh boy. Right? You know, it's it's yeah. but that's the way. The show's never gonna fully go there. And it I think it it's like I don't know, almost refreshing because every other show would. So it's nice that they they never go off that. Like they stick with the way these people are. Sure. And they're they're cold and they're they're warm in their own cold way. Yep. Yep. No, I agree. So, speaking about cold, I know you're up there in the cold still. We haven't really hit the warmth yet. So, what else you got up there from the cold part of the U.S.? Um, let's see. Um, I got a question for you. That when you saw Gilly in the uh, in the courtyard there, it looked like they were kind of filming her funny, and she's dressed really and extra bulky. I was wondering. If if you knew if that if she was pregnant, yeah, I, I don't even know. If maybe the character, or maybe just the actress. I thought maybe the actress because at first I said I actually my first watch I was watching with a pal, and I said another Sam, little you know Sam got to work, but then I thought about it. And I'm you know could possibly just be the actress because she had like plump cheeks and everything. It definitely looked like she was pregnant. Well, if we use that as a basis, I think Podrick might be due pretty soon, too. Ah, he's just been drinking too much wine. Tyrion's filling that cup up too much. No, but she had that, like, not gaining weight heavy face, but, like, the pregnant face. So, you know, you know, pregnant women out there don't think you look big. I'm, you know, sorry if I'm giving you a complex. But it happens. You you know, you can tell. You have, like, that glow. And uh, Gilly had it. Oh, man. I'm just digging myself in a hole here. Nice save. Yeah, nice save. (laughs) That's good. That's good. But, but no, it's, it was obvious they kind of seemed to be filming it to avoid different angles too. So I think I think it would be, it would be interesting to do a little research on it. But it was Maybe we'll put Axel on that. It was so cool to see even the littlest side character like Gilly. Everybody had a role. Everybody had something to do, and they were doing it. And you know, it, you you panned over and uh, 
what's his name? Grey Worms walking around, making sure everything's cool and everybody's, you know, doing their thing. And then it pans over and Davos is serving food. That to me was so awesome because those are the real things that you would see in like the real world stuff. Uh, you know, the preparation, like we said, Gendry building the weapons and even back in, you know, previous seasons when we would go to King's Landing, seeing the common people, how they're hurting and starving and poor, always love seeing the, the common people because it affects them. So when you see this little girl come up with the food saying, I want to help because this is my brother got killed. This is all I know. It, it makes it so much more rich and very enjoyable. Yep. No, I agree. Um, I was trying to think there's, um, what do you think about, uh, John and Danny in terms of, you know, their, their romance? Cause to me, it seems a little middle school, right? Cause like, uh, John storms out of the rooms trying to avoid conversations with her. Um, I thought it was kind of funny just because it, uh, it's, it's not a very ma- mature relationship. So I'm kind of wondering if they're setting it up so that, you know, in the end when it doesn't work out, uh, you kind of understand it better. Hmm. I mean, something, I feel like they might take the easy way out. Maybe one of them is not going to survive because that, this is going to be a tough, tough conversation to revisit. Oh yeah. She didn't seem too happy about the, uh, the big news. Nope. Uh, with his, with his new name. And what's wild, like to me, the first thing on my mind would have been like, Oh my God, you're my nephew. This is disgusting. Oh my God. Like Ace Ventura, eh, Einhorn, Finkel is Einhorn. I'd be doing that. And immediately the first thing she thinks about is the power struggle. And she's done this in the past with other conversations she's had with different people. She's like, power struggle. Where am I going to be? Who's going to be the king? Who's going to be ruler here? And that's the only thing on her tunnel vision mind. Like, so she's so hyper-focused that all these secondary things like John's love and, you know, friendships, Masande type things, those are way secondary. She's so hyper-focused. So to know that's the first question that pops out kind of makes me nervous that she's not going to want to give in even if john does some super heroic stuff and she thinks he's worthy of it i'm not sure that i don't know i don't know if she'll... i think i think i think john might uh have one of the dragons hoist the um uh the uh the throne all the way over to essos for her maybe and then she can sit on it over there you know i mean no one's brought it up <laughs> There's a reason it's been quiet this whole time. You know, she, she's got a whole, she's got the whole, uh, castle waiting for her marine. She's like, come on, don't worry. I got a guy over here. He's, he's watching it for me. I told him to watch this whole castle. That's why I haven't bring him with me. She gets back. Yeah, see, that's perfect. Yep. Yeah, that's perfect. You know, John can get that big, ugly throne, bring it over there, and he'll take, he'll take the other side of the wall. So, you know. Yeah, I know. Works a guy. out in the end. Uh, I know a guy. That's great, Packnell. No, that's that's pretty funny. I mean, I've always wondered the same thing. You know, back to when I asked Jinx that question about 
the dragon's reach and I mean the uh, Night King's reach and how many dead people they could bring back and how long they've been doing it for. I s- still keep wondering why none of that has gone to Essos or why we don't know the winter ca- covers Essos and if that's all gravy, I mean everybody should just jump on the ships. I don't know why they're waiting. Like, what's so cool that's in Westeros? <laughs> Salt water. <laughs> I have a, I have a feel I have a feeling it might be there. You know, uh, they they don't have any uh, any SPF that's adequate for them, so they they're not really they're not really beach people. Yeah, right. I mean, the Dornish could have provided them with something. I don't know. Right, right out of the, yep. There's a whole land there just waiting. You know, I, I still. There's so many little tidbits, little outrigger type things that I need to know. I need to know about Pi Pre. I need to know what's up with Karth. Like, I want to know the magic there. I want to know Valeria, the grayscale. Uh, I'm asking a lot. I know it's only like maybe, what is it, seven hours left? Six hours? But uh, it's getting me, getting me excited. Get me excited. So I know, I know. I'll, I'll, I'll just say one more thing, and then uh, you can bring anybody else back on or that. But um, uh, one thing that hasn't gotten brought up is uh, Theon. And you know what? Like, I feel like he's got the best redemption arc out of out of nowhere. He's all of a sudden poised to be sitting at the best redemption arc of the of all the characters. I can't believe it. It's strange. I don't really. I don't know. I feel like people view him so broken that it's kind of hard to see a redemption arc. Like, I feel like it was almost rushed. They spent so much time breaking him that it's too fast to redeem him, to be, to feel the effects of it. Like, finally, with that hug from Sansa, I started to feel a little bit like somebody can't. Like, that John conversation didn't do it for me. It showed me, like, John just had no use for him. Like, Theon could hang out, but, eh, whatever. But, like, Sansa's hug, that was, like, all right, we're on the way to something. Yeah, I think they're on the way. On the way up to uh, Catelyn's old bedroom. Oh, shipping him. He's shipping him. Wow, that's bold. Uh, I don't know. I don't know about that one. I think there. I think there's love blooming there. <laughs> Gray Worm can show him a couple things, and we'll get this thing all all bound up. I don't know. I mean, that that'd be pretty cool, I guess, but it'd be kind of weird because they like grew up together, but I guess they're the same age, similar age, or whatever. But I don't know. I I think Sans is just like done with everybody. She's just gonna be like. Like, just ruling for a while. She got so caught up with that teenage love stuff that she's been, like, scorned so many times. She's ready to just rule. I I love how stern she is. She's very cold. I I really like that. But I know know, you're into the shipping thing. We can ship them. And, all right. So, John, it was awesome getting you in here. I'm going to bring in the next guest, and if you're around, you know, in a little while, we can get you back on, and uh, we'll keep this convo going.
Sounds great. Thanks a lot. All right, cool. All right, going to take a little break here. I want to remind you to go to cufflinks.com slash DVR today. Use code GOT20 to get 20% off. You can also always use code DVR20 to get 20% off your order. No minimum required. Cufflinks.com is a family-owned business. They're great people, and they believe in great quality products, and that's what you get. So check it out at cufflinks.com slash DVR today. Thank you for sponsoring the podcast, cufflinks.com. And all you listeners, go visit cufflinks.com slash DVR to support us and cufflinks. Now back to the show. So we've been through almost everybody, and we got a last guest coming in. And I told you at the top that Gina's been doing something cool, and she's been a patron, a longtime listener, a friend, a major contributor with her feedback, with her postings on our Facebook groups, with so many things that it's wonderful to hear that she's diving in and is going to be starting her own podcast soon. And I'm going to welcome you on right now and tell us a little bit about yourself, your little project, and what you thought about the episode. Gina, welcome on. Hey, good to be on. Can you hear me okay? You sound great. Okay, good. Yeah, so um, I'm going to be starting a podcast about The Handmaid's Tale, kind of the show that's on Hulu and also unfortunate intersection with a lot of things happening in politics today. But uh, yeah, I've been working on it. Um, I've got one episode almost ready to go, a couple more that I just need to kind of pull together because I want to get a few out there before it starts back up uh, June 3rd and then it's going to be more show by show but yeah it's exciting uh, bravo and I wish you much enjoyment with your podcast because I would say yeah, good- technical difficulties I was like right there with you like earlier I'm like oh my god this is like me when I lost half of my podcast I was slicing together last week uh, ah. yeah that's why <laughs> We got like, I got like three programs opening, triple recording. It's crazy. But, um, yeah, that's wonderful that you're getting into podcasting because, you know, I, same as you, was always just contributing somehow and got the oomph to call in and I kind of liked it. And now I'm doing it. And I think you're going to be great because I've oh, said it many times on the Westworld theory cast that I just want, would like to like turn my mic around and give it to you when I'm reading your stuff. Cause <laughs> you, you really are. You're better than I am most of the time. So you doing this new Hamay's tale is giving me the kick in the pants to watch the show. So now I'm going to watch it just for you. Oh, really? Okay, cool. I would love to know what you think think and if you ever want to uh, come on and talk about it because there's a lot to talk about it's pretty crazy yeah uh you know i i hear people talk about it here and there i, I don't know too many details but it i heard the parallels to society that we live in are pretty cool yeah yeah they're definitely there but let's talk about game of thrones because the episode with the only last night, I feel like I'm in a time warp. The episode last night was so good. I mean, I would give it a 10, I would say. Wow. And um, I mean, definitely the 
I am I'm kind of a Jamie and Brienne shipper. Like I think they have got a super strong emotional bond. Um, I feel like she stood up for him and that was like, hey, <laughs> this is like my translation. Hey, don't bag on my boyfriend. He's actually a really great guy once you get to know him. And then he was asking her, I want to fight under you. Like, will you have me? And she's like, yes. I'm like, okay. So now they're going out kind of. This is all like Westeros knighthood speak. And then when he knights her, it was just like such a huge moment, I think, for her, for their arc, and then just their relationship together. Um, I mean, really, I, I think they do love each other in a way. And I think Brienne is the only non-Lannister person that's ever loved Jamie, um, which is interesting to think about. Um, and I think he really admires her. And, you know, Tyrion was like, blah, 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 Cersei, 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 when they're up on the kind of overlook. And Jamie wasn't even listening anywhere. He was just like looking at Brienne down in the yard. And I'm like, he's over that girl. He's, he's, he's on to, to bigger and better nights, <laughs> I guess you'd say. But um, yeah, I thought that was like a, just a super great scene and moment. And he's like, you don't need a king to knight you. I can do it. Let me show you. And it was, uh, I think it was just like a great moment for everyone that was there. Yeah. I, I loved it. Um, like I was saying before, it's like, they're like, I guess it's Jamie too. Like I was saying, Brienne, like that's one of her only friends and Jamie too. It's probably one of his only friends that's not related to him. And the way they became friends was so unconventional that, when people ship them, I feel like it's too good to be shipped. Like, this is a good friendship that I wouldn't want to see ruined. Like, the way they respect each other. That's something that is is tough to get. You know, you should always respect your partner. But they respect each other in, like, a noble fighting way. As well as, you know, probably romantic a little bit. But I see... I don't see it as much as, like, torment. I feel like... I don't know. Theirs is more like perfect for how it's set up to fight alongside each other in this battle. Yeah. You know, f f at one point I kind of thought like fast forward to the end of all this and maybe they get married and have kids and you could just see like Brienne training their kids in the yard saying, when I first met your father, I hated his guts. And then we fought, you know, with swords, but I think what's really going to happen next week. And I think, you know, you're right. They're kind of better. This is better as an unrequited whatever it is. And I predict that Jamie is going to die in Brienne's arms in this battle next week because there's this scene between he and Bran a couple seasons ago where he's like, oh, how would you want to die? He goes, in the arms of the woman I love. Huh. And we know that's not Cersei anymore. And so I think just like Renly died in her arms, I think Jamie's going to be like man that dies in her arms number two, which then does pave the way for Tormund to actually have a chance. But I think Jamie Jamie has to die in order for her and Tormund to have a chance. Wow, so. I love it! I love that. Holy, see, this is what I was talking about. This is that mic drop stuff. <laughs> wow, see, that's that's beautiful right there. And like I was thinking, they're both going to die next episode, and. I'd rather, way rather have your version. Way rather have that. Oh. 
Yeah, and I think um, and I've been thinking a lot about Arya and her faces. I think Jamie's going to die, and I feel like somehow Arya's going to find a way to get his face because I think that's her ticket back down to King's Landing afterwards to uh, get Cersei and get past the Hound. You write for HBO, and what's going on here? I wish. Is, I, <laughs> I love that. I wish. <laughs> I want to see that spear to put to work because – I don't know. I I love it. Sound I said it before, and I feel like I always have to apologize for it. But I love watching Arya kill people. She's my favorite yeah. one. Like when she was stabbing Meryn Trent's eyes out. Like, oh yeah, that's so yeah. awesome. Yeah, no one. She's ruthless. Oh, so good. And now that she has that spear, like I was just picturing how she would fight the waif with the staff, but now with the dragon glass tip, forget about it. Well, yeah, because she was kind of twirling it around like she did with that staff when she and the waif used to spar all the time. And I'm like, oh, okay. So she's, you know, this was something in her arsenal that she, you know, learned to use. And uh, yeah, we'll see. It'll be interesting to see her use that. I think that's the big question everyone's kind of waiting for is like, how does this exactly work? So uh, yeah, it'll be cool to see. Um, and then I was also thinking in terms of, this is really dark, but in terms of Arya and the faces, so if Bran dies for some reason and she's able to get his face, would she then be able to, this is just like a question, would she then be able to become the three-eyed raven because when they wear the faces, they incorporate many parts of that person and their memories and their lives into whatever they're doing. I don't know. It was just like a really weird idea um, that I was wondering. Wow. Yeah. I mean, I wouldn't even know what, how to speculate on that. I, you know. <laughs> I know. Like, I think this popped into my head. I was listening to uh, uh, Axel and Solo do the deep dive and I was on a hike and I'm like, you know how sometimes people say things and I'm like, oh, but what about this? I wonder if, what happens here, you know? So that was something that came up. And the other was, I was thinking, like, between Sansa and Danny, who has the better weapons? Well, Danny has the dragons. Sansa has Bran. And technically, Bran could probably warg into the dragons. So I would think that Bran is potentially the better weapon. But I don't think that Bran sees himself as Sansa's brother anymore, or even an ally to her in particular. He is on like next level do it to survive thing. I don't he he's slipping so far away. Like the way he said John's not my brother, I don't even think he meant it as he's not my brother because he's a Targaryen. He's not my brother because I'm the three eyed raven. Like, he's not Bran. When he said it to Jamie, yeah. you know, oh, if you didn't push me out the window, Brandon Stark would still be how he is and I wouldn't be the three-eyed yeah. raven. So, I don't know if he would side with Sansa. Um, Sansa is probably a better, I mean, is a way better tactician and, like, general. I feel like she would really lead an army well if she had more say battle experience because she's just very good at gaining uh earning respect from people yeah yeah 
but she still has like her, her emotions. Like she's been pretty hardened, I would say. And you definitely see that in the first episode and even a couple of the last episodes last season. But I thought what was so interesting, especially Danny's reaction to it is when Theon came and he's to Danny. Yes. My sister is re is reclaiming the iron islands in your name. We couldn't bring ships, but then you know, all his attention's focused on Sansa, and he's like, I'm here to fight for Winterfell if you'll have me. And they have such an emotional moment that it's almost like it takes Danny by surprise in an interesting way because I have never seen her be emotional in the way where it feels like she really loves someone in the room, except for, you know, when she's smothering Khal Drogo with a pillow um, <laughs> after she <laughs> brings him back to life rather unsuccessfully. But that's the only time I've seen Danny like really emotional over someone like that girl didn't even like really, maybe she shed a couple tears <clears throat> over her dragons, but she's so emotionless. And I think she seemed surprised to see Sansa in such a moment of emotion with someone that was clearly very emotional and bonded towards her with a certain love that I don't know that Danny's ever got from her subjects before, you know, they all say they love her, but there's just like a layer of something missing when it comes to Danny. And, and, you know, she's, she's always positioned herself as like a queen first and a woman second. And I don't think that's necessarily true with Sansa. And, you know, even, even me watching the first episode, they do the, you know, magic dragon ride to the waterfall and Danny's not like keep keep your girlfriend warm or keep your love warm he she's like keep your queen warm and I was just like well that's it's just really like this is what's going to get Danny in trouble in the end I think she's gotten a little too greedy and she doesn't really know how to connect with people in a way that I don't think would make her a really good ruler in the end compared to some of the other people in Westeros like, she really doesn't know that culture at all. No. Being away that long was no good. And, you know, having Tyrion around and Jorah and even when Barristan was around telling her how it is, you know, when you get there, how you're going to have to rule people and they're going to have to get behind you. It's still uncomprehensible to her because none of the people in Marine, Yunkai... The whole Essos, where she just traveled around, none of them are anything like the people of Westeros in any custom, other than maybe like the the Red Priestess believers, you know, the Lord of Light followers, or like religious things. But the customs are completely different. The manners, the rules, the style of battle, like, it's so different. And... Yeah, she's seeing this now for the first time. So I think it's coming as a shock to her, like, as well, while she's learning it on the fly. Yeah, yeah, well, that's true. That's true. Um, trying to think what else. I mean, uh, Aryan Gendry. <laughs> um, I'm totally fine with this. I do not have the problems other people have with this. I don't think of her as young anymore. If you've ever seen her Instagram photos, she definitely does not 
think of herself as young. Uh, you know, she she went in with gusto and I don't see why so many people are so skeeved out about it, particularly after one, the Sansa scene and two, well, let's just pause and go back Tommen and uh, Lady Marjorie. <laughs> like you want to talk about a child in bed with an adult. Like that was that, you know, uh, was that just okay? Cause he was a dude and they got married. But anyway, that's all I really want to say, but well, I think it was, Fine. We can go there. Like, yeah. It, it's like, you know, when you have the teacher sleeping with a student story, probably somewhere in Florida, that, you know, when it's the woman's teacher sleeping with the young man's student, you know, it's not as big a deal. But when it's a man teacher sleeping with a young female student, it becomes a lot bigger deal in society and the media. But, you know, so that's, I'm giving the Tom and, angle that thing so I'm giving him that pass but the Sansa thing nobody really likes Sansa so nobody cared about that like this is like watching Little Sister where are you <laughs> yeah I mean I understand why some people are emotionally attached and, and oh. think of it that way but at the same time you let me get my Sansa not... dig in there thank you I appreciate that I didn't well, even get yelled at <laughs> I mean yeah People didn't like Sansa's character. That's a whole other. No, a whole other I'm thing. not downplaying but, it. I'm only kidding around. But um, I mean, like, I think literally when I was tweeting during the episode last night, that first scene where she goes in and he's making tools, I was like, "Hmm, Arya looks hungry." Like, because she was looking at him like he was a meal, and then you know she's flinging the blades into the uh, post. And he's just looking at her and I'm like, yep. And now he's totally turned on because he's like, this chick is badass. Um, so that was just what I thought was kind of funny. Um, but yeah, I, I was like, so when I'm like, oh, they really are going to do it. <laughs> I was more kind of pleasantly surprised because I just thought it was going to be a big tease to nothing. But, um, but yeah. And then, um, I mean, I guess that's that's really it. I mean, next week is going to be a big battle, and I don't think it's going to be the last one. Um, mainly just because I think Melisandre is somehow on her way back with a fire army, and I don't think it's going to happen next week unless it comes in at the very end and she saves their bacon like um, Knights of the Vale did in Battle of the Bastards. But we're just not even expecting it, I think, at this point. So I think there's going to have to be a second battle where an army of, like, fire priests and priestesses come back. And I do feel like somehow there's going to be a big fire sacrifice to help them conquer the Night King once and for all. And, and I think if you've got to pick three people to burn, it's going to be Melisandre is going to volunteer I think um, Beric Dondarrion's probably a good candidate considering he's been chosen by Lord of Light. And then I think um, I think Varys is a big candidate since he heard a voice when uh, parts of him were burnt in the flames in a ceremony. So I think that trio, which seems to be the blood magic, could be used for some kind of really big powerful spell to overtake the Night King. That would be a bittersweet way for the Hound to go. 
because he kind of believes and kind of doesn't. So he's on the fence, plus the burning thing. Like, you know, he got burned. He's so afraid of fire. Maybe he's just like in the highway. Fuck it. I'm going to the fire. Sorry about that accent, too. That was weird. No, it's good. Uh, uh, Maybe, although personally, and this is my very own personal thing, I'm totally a Sansa Sandor shipper. I think everyone overlooks that. It's more of, I think, a book idea for people that have read the books. There is a little more, but if you look back at season two, he's her protector the whole time and is really looking out for her and definitely has like a little crush on her, even though that may be super age appropriate then. You kind of look at those characters now. He's softened a little bit. She's definitely hardened a lot. But they're two characters that have yet to have a reunion that we've seen on screen. And, like, I'm just waiting for her to be, oh, Little Bird or Lady Bird, since she's, you know, now pretty much all grown up. Um, and Sansa likes hounds. You know, they offed her horrible husband, Ramsay. <laughs> and um, in some ways, he could be, you know, since he's of a canine variety, he could probably fit in with a, a pack of wolves like the Starks pretty easily. So that's my, that's my logical, <laughs> my logical hope for a, a San San uh, relationship. <laughs> wow. All right. I mean, I like it. You brought a lot of cool little uh, theories there and hopes and uh, yeah. things we'll see. I'm not too sure we'll ever see anything nice like this again. I feel like it, it might just be a lot of blood from here on out, but it we're going to have to see, you know, some resolution in the end, hopefully. I mean, it might, yeah. we might see the Night King setting up, you know, shop in his new bed in Winterfell or maybe King's Landing, but could put his feet up on the throne, like kick him back, like breaking off the little pieces of swords behind them on the throne. You know, we don't know what he's going to be doing. <laughs> yeah. No, I think, you know, I'm not really, I don't have my heart set on a happy ending, but I kind of am hoping for a hopeful ending, which I think are kind of two different things. Uh, you know, you're watching this. Game of Thrones, right? That's why I said hopeful <laughs> and not happy. <laughs> like, I definitely don't think it's going to be, and they all lived happily ever after. I think it's going to be like, and, you know, maybe they're able to do things better this time around is more kind of the, the thing. But anyway. Um, yeah, well, you know, I, I hope uh, this is the start of the trend riding out the season and you join us every Monday. Uh, and hopefully next week we'll be up on YouTube. Yeah, you know, right yeah, way. no, I I should be able to now that my uh, my podcasting class is over, and then I'm going to be doing um, an initial reaction with Axel after episode four. <gasps> so that'll be a lot of fun. She let the cat out of the bag. Oh, you posted it on Facebook. Uh, I think it's out. All right, I know. I I was just teasing people who didn't join the Facebook group, but it's all good. See, so now you know we got stellar guests for the initial reaction. He doesn't even have me on. He's got. Good guests. Yeah, serious business. Well, he trusts you to do this every week. No, I know. He, no, but I mean, I can't, you know, hold a candle to who he's got on. I mean, did I don't know if you heard yesterday with Ken, but that was yeah. like all-star oh, level. Good. 
Yeah, it was good. Um, I'm excited to hear some of the other folks. I won't name names, but um, I'm excited to hear some of the other folks too. So it'll be all good. So much good podcasting coming out yeah, from that. This is a lot of fun. And having so many people involved, it's it it makes it better. I mean, we we wouldn't be able to do this without you guys, you know, not only the patrons, the people who write in feedback, but I mean, the way you guys, you know, you in particular, uh, just go all in between the Facebook group, Twitter, you send in awesome emails, you know, calling on this show. This wouldn't be fun without a community like this. Like, People know, like Jinx said, oh, well, I'm not an expert. You got Pack Mule on. And people know the different people in the community who read, who don't read, who yeah. who know. It's awesome. And it's like, it's not just a handful of people. You know, tonight we got seven people talking that never talked before. You know, maybe two or three of us at one time have been in a chat uh, on, on the fan calling together, but never all this crew, you know, every week it's like a whole separate group and it, it's different people. It's not the same two, three people. I love it. Love that part of it. And everyone has the characters or the moments they love that are different from everyone else's. So it's a good, like good, good perspectives from all around. Yes. Yes, it was. Um, I appreciate that. I appreciate you, you know, you coming on, um, I'm going to do one more quick round the, you know, round the table. Uh, one more comment, question, thought with everybody else. So if you don't mind, if you want to hang out, I'll leave you chilling for a little bit and let you simmer on what you said. And if you got a question, if not, I'll come back to you and you can give me an outro. Yeah, I think, uh, I think I've probably wrapped up. I'm, I'm probably going to sign off, but thank you so much for listening to all my crazy theories and hopes and dreams for Sam fan shipping. And, um, yeah, I'll definitely be back next week. All right, Gina, we appreciate you very much from me, Axel, the podcast, the network and the community. You rock. And I appreciate you guys too. You guys are awesome. Thank you very much. All right, Gina, with some great stuff to compact there. She's always got good thoughts, good theories. I'm going to bring John Packmule back in, Mr. Golden Man himself, AU Packmule. See if he comes back in, if he wants to join us for another quick thought, quick question. I want to ask him something if he gets here and uh, see what's up. Go for it. John, how do you like the show, what people are saying? Yeah, it's all, it's fun uh, listening to so many people from different places, and uh, the one thing that uh, I'm not used to is being quiet for so long. So that was kind of an interesting take as well. Yeah, it's tough. When we used to do talk show, it was nice. You know, I had a moderator board and I could mute people. So even if they were talking, but you know, having to mute yourself, it's like it feels weird. You're like, ah, but now we worked out good. It's sounding good on Google hangout. I like this, but good. I appreciate you coming on and oh, yeah. you know, glad to be here. It's uh, it's, it's nice to have some authorities on some, some BRs. I have no idea what that means, but I'm glad to be here. Hey, you know, I guess people, you know, everybody looks up to one another. It's, it's, it's cool. Like when, 
you know, we all get a little humble and think, I don't know as much. There's somebody out there that's like, yo, that guy knows so much and that woman knows so much. So <laughs> it's it's a fun community. It's definitely yeah. cool. I mean, I don't, you know, there's the only person I don't question in this community is Matt and the music. That's He's got that on lockdown. <laughs> I love his analysis of the music. But nice. back to you. Uh, what do you have? Anything you want to talk about real quick? You know? Well, in regards to the episode, I think one of the things that we're um, forgetting is in regards to the director, you know, David Nutter did both one and two. He's also going to do four. And I think we're going to get some more great dialogue in four, um, setting up uh, another battle scene uh, that Miguel Sapochnik is going to do in five. And um, obviously Dan and Dave are going to direct six. So I think um, other than that, we've really covered an awful lot and uh, what people really like. Um, but I think seeing Dan and Dave and um, what they're going to do with six without a lot of scripted material is going to be helpful because obviously they're going to be doing, you know, the, the Knights of the Old Republic in Star Wars. And that's why, uh, you know, George Lucas was on set this uh, season and um, a lot of great things are going to be happening in the future with obviously the Game of Thrones prequel. So, I mean, this is just going to be a momentum push in regards to all of the things that are going to happen starting with uh, this next episode. Yeah, like, even if it was just them wrapping up a phenomenal show, you'd think they want to go all in. But knowing they, it's almost like a, a final rehearsal, like a, uh, your final interview to get that that really big push because if they do a bang up job, it's just going to be so much more to promote their next future project. So, you know, I'd like to think everybody does it just for the, that one pure thing they're doing, but to know there's other motives, I'm cool with it. I just want good stuff. It's like a, it's like a, a professional athlete on the last year of their contract. They want to push it and push it and push it until they can't go any further because they know the big payday is coming, that's and, it. and that's uh, exactly what Dan and Dave are both doing. Yeah, but no, the, this lineup is fantastic of, of who's directed. Uh, Miguel Sapochnik, he, made, he did some great episodes. Um, and I think uh, this was written by Brian Cogman, and he's written almost every great episode that had great dialogue. So... I like that, and you know, I don't know if he'll be back. I, I don't know the writer's schedule as far as episodes, but I mean, well, Brian is working with uh, George on one of the prequels, so um, that's a possibility that we'll get him in uh, another another um, season of of whatever they decide to write. Cool, yeah. No, he brings that that warmth and the connection. He ties all the pieces together, right? And that that's what I think this episode had, like all those little connectors, like the fanboy stuff that I would have probably been asking two years from now, like, Oh, wh- why, why didn't Ari and the Hound, you know, settle their discussion, you know, or whatever, you know, would have happened. But I-, I love this episode. And I'll, with everything that's, that happened, we heard a couple different comments along the way. But what I want to kind of go back to is when brand has a conversation with Jamie. He says to him, um, you know, I don't know. Uh, when Jamie says, he says, uh, what's going to happen afterwards? Right. Will there even be an afterwards? So sure. 
I kind of want to know, do you think that Bran do- has or ha- doesn't have the ability to see the future? Because I believe he has uh, the ability to see glimpses or flashes, um, just like we saw in episode six or uh, season six. Okay, because he w- he probably wouldn't know how to put them together too much, right? Because I'm thinking if he could see the future, I'm thinking like a psychic level, like where where yeah, the- if he could see the future and be the true green seer that he is, he would know exactly how to kill the Night King if it could be if the Night King can be killed. Um, like he said, the you know using dragon fire against him has never been used, and that would obviously have been something that he could have foreseen. Um, so yeah, yeah, because as much as we we know he can see the past and recall the past, the future stuff has been quick glimpses, and we're not sure how true. I'll give you a prime example. Uh, one of them is uh, the dragon shadow over King's Landing. He saw that in season six um, when the flash, when the, uh, you know, uh, wildfire was flashing and Burnham right. Hall was said by the Mad King and, and that sort of thing. And that was one of the things that he did see that was in the future. So um, because we know that, you know, the, the Knights King is going to ride over a King's Landing. Yeah. Uh, it, you know, it's it's so vague. The way they play the brand character, they leave everything in a mystery and, and the way he tells people is one-on-ones. So it's not, you know, we did see the couple group group things, but it's like right. he le- he leaves it so vague. Like he, he doesn't put it all out on the table. And I wonder sometimes if he knows the people themselves can't handle that kind of information all at once. Like, you know, we could barely handle what we see all the time. Exactly. So. Exactly. Yeah, it's kind of like when he handed the Valyrian steel dagger to um, Arya. You know, he knew that she needed it. And that's one of the reasons why he did that. So um, those types of things you definitely saw in the future. Um, one of the things you asked Jinx that I was really excited to answer was in regards to how long the Night's King has been gathering the dead. And if you remember, he's been contacting Craster to sacrifice his sons for at least 20 years. So that's my answer in regards to how long he's been gathering the dead, because all of those white walkers that we saw last night were in the, uh, were in the episode. Those were his one of, you know, some of his 99 sons. Right. So I, I kind of had that in my thing too, as the timeline. So we know that's kind of at minimum, where where the star point would be. It might be further back, but we know is at least with Craster and would kind of make sense because 20 years might have been close to Danny coming about and the magic waking up. So if if the well, magic waking that, up... We also have Mance Raider gathering the wildlings in order to bring them on the other side of the wall so that they can be safe from the Night King. Um, and that, And that's when... That's exactly when uh, Brendan Rivers was captured in the Weirwood Tree, so about twenty years ago. Ah, okay, yeah, because all right, that makes a lot of sense. Then that would explain why they wouldn't have dragons. Like, so they've been kind of dormant, maybe, and and then the magic woke up because we see as the magic was developing in the show, it was getting bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger, and then. You know, like 
once the dragons hatched, the dragon eggs hatched, that was like a whole next catalyst. But they had the comet, like they say all these things were the signs. So I guess maybe something happened to either kick them off or wake them back up. Hopefully we find that out. Yeah, I definitely believe that. We will. Hearing their motives this week, we we haven't even talked about that. We finally (laughs) got the reasoning for their motives. It's just utter destruction of humanity. Well, it's the same thing that uh, Sauron wanted to to commit against Middle-earth in Lord of the Rings. You know, he wanted the dark. He wanted the the night. Um, All the Urukai and the orcs all performed better at night in the dark. yeah, and they wanted the destruction of man. So, yeah, I, you know, I was kind of hoping it would be a little deeper than that, but <laughs> I, I guess with you know non-talking, yeah. you know, crystal ice breaking type men and dead, that right. they, they can't be too deep. But you know, it's like that hive mind thing. You kind of think it's something heavier, and I wanted to think there was more conflict, but. Sometimes the simplest answer is the easiest, and it's it'll progress everything smoother, I think. But I'd still like mm-hmm. to know, like, what sparked this vengeance to get going. I'll uh, have a video out pretty soon called "The Origins of Winterfell," and I think um, in that video I'll I'll have that answer for you. Oh, cool, excellent! I'd like to just to, you know hear that and see that. Yeah, but you know, again, like. I love this plan going to the Godswood. And then purposefully we saw a new angle of Winterfell with the opening credits and they're zooming in on the wall surrounding the Godswood, which kind of wasn't clear in the previous seasons that that's how it was set up. Like I thought they were just walking north of Winterfell and into the forest. I didn't know that was in the grounds of Winterfell. So that's kind of protected. So strategically, like it, we know they'll surround that semicircle and that might be actually helpful for the battle. Absolutely. Yeah, no, this is, this is cool. Um, you know, it's, it's wild. We talk about a lot of the fun stuff, you know, the Aria thing, it's kind of fun and we joke around and everybody's giddy about the Brienne stuff, but like, the kind of two huge things, the implications of Danny and John's conversation and the brand and Night King info was kind of like secondary. It, it's, it's wild. Yeah. It was definitely put on the back shelf because at this point, if they don't survive who John is and who Danny is, doesn't really matter. Um, obviously that's a, that's a big factor. And then in regards to, what the night King wants and what his, you know, ulterior motive is. Um, that's not really a, a factor because we know we've got almost a hundred thousand dead coming into Winterfell to, uh, you know, take them over. So we'll see how that goes. Yeah. It's uh, going to be awesome to co- you know, to see this battle. I, I want to see. It looks like they're more prepared than I thought with all of the dragon glass and all the weapons. And, and that definitely harks back to, the Helm's Deep um, video, you know, part of the movie that, that we saw yeah, in the Two Towers. That was a great part. They, you know, because those are the parts you kind of forget about, but they're necessary. You want to see how the wheels are moving behind the scenes, you know, and 
like I said before, like watching Grey Worm kind of be as a, a tool for that. We saw him just like panning and looking at everybody working and doing something. And I, I think I'm looking forward to, I like, you know, I want to see a lot of death in these battles and see our character pool get smaller and smaller. But I want to see how awesome it's going to be visually while these whites are climbing the wall and hitting the dragon glass and just I can't see how they're going to defeat that unless they break the wall apart with like, say the ice fire or well, ice fire, There's, you know? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. It's hard to describe when you've got blue flame. Right. right? Yeah, I don't know what it is. Is it ice <laughs> or is it fire? Exactly. <sighs> All right, cool. Do you think we're going to get any other, any other dragons? I don't know that that's what sparked my whole wondering how far their reach goes. Like, they, I'm thinking they somehow were, there's no way there was a dragon in the past that they weren't able to get on their side somehow. They had to be one not burned. But that's why I started asking, how far does the reach go? Like, do you have to be within a certain radius for the, their effect to work? Like, if you die in Dorne and you're not burned, do they get you from Dorne? So these are questions that we never were told or even alluded to. So yeah. I, I'm thinking they got bears, they got dogs, they got anything <laughs> that's on this side. Why not another dragon from 400 years ago? Right? Cause it was roughly around three, 400, right? That the last dragon. Uh, well, 150 years ago. Yeah. That's about what we're talking about as far as the last dragon versus the dragons that were just recently born. Right. So, all right, 150. That's even less than my 300. Smaller. Right. Mm-hmm. And you, I know they were getting smaller and smaller as the time went on and whatnot. But if the whites have been around that so much more in the past thousand years, that 150 years is a small percentage that they might still have a dragon reserve. Yeah, that's very possible. They got a chain. No, no doubt about it. They got a chain somehow. So yeah, there's probably going to be a lot of videos talking about Summer Hall because of the Jenny of Old Stone song, and that's where Rhaegar was born. And they tried to hatch, you know, seven dragons for the for the seven, you know, the father and the mother and the, and the smith and all that. And um, that's where uh, Aegon the Fourth from Duncan Egg died. Duncan the Tall died. It was the call back to Brienne being related to Duncan the Tall. Um, but he did die as the knight, uh, as the Lord Commander of the of the King's Guard. So that's something that I think is going to happen to Brienne, that she will become uh, the Queen's Guard uh, Commander. So, um, yeah, there's, there's a lot of call back to Summerhall in that, in that situation where they tried to birth dragon, dragon eggs, I should say. Hmm. Oh, I, I hope we get, you know, a little bit more just tightness. I wanna I wanna see this this whole story, you know, tightened up a little bit more before we end. I wanna see awesome fights and battles. I wanna see the um, some kind of conflict resolved at the end. You know, I don't really have a preference who I want to sit on the Iron Throne. I'd like to see someone on it, other than the white king, the Night King. But I'd still and like I like the history and lore shit, so like I still want yeah. more yeah. of those pieces. Like I was so but that's going to complicate the story, right? <laughs> yeah, right. I was 
I was like almost fist pumping when I heard Bran just say that simple explanation of the Night King. He just wants us dead. You know, that's all I've been waiting for. Just asking why, 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 why are they going to do this? Why are they doing this? But yeah, I like that. Did you like the fact that he actually said that the Night King has come for the Three-Eyed Crow many times before? Yes. So you know that he's been doing this for a while. Yeah. And this. And Three-Eyed Crows have been children of the forest before Brendan Rivers, you know, before that Targaryen. So. Right. And it seemed like him getting touched was the closest they've ever gotten before. Exactly. Yeah. And that happened in the Matrix. It didn't happen in real life. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, no, no, it did. And he has the real life scar. So it's it transcends somehow. Time. Yeah. Time and place. Mm-hmm. Just like Hodor. Yep. It transcended time and place. Exactly. Do you think Hodor is uh that's another a white? question. Yeah, you think he's a white? Oh, absolutely. A hundred percent. All right. But see, I was on the other side of that. Didn't he burn when when she set off that little incendiary grenade? Um, that was in the beginning of the cave, in the in the front part of the cave, and he was already um, towards the towards the back door. And when Bran and Mira left, there was no explosion where he was. He was just yeah, because it didn't death. it didn't like come right, out. Of, right. Oh man. I don't want to see Hodor fighting anybody. <laughs> he's gonna just... Well, I want to bring Christian back. I think he's such a great actor that uh, I, you know, I love him uh, in the show. So uh, I'm looking forward to seeing him this summer. So yeah, you know, and he was just like such a snag. They got him because he was big, and he just worked out so well, perfectly. And you must love him being a DJ. Yeah, he's come around a couple <laughs> times. I I tried to go see him. He plays uh like some some uh like progressive trance stuff and EDM music. He's pretty, he's a cool guy. And he's that when you see him pictures of him in the DJ booth, he's got that big smile on. He just seems exactly. like a great guy. Yep. Yep. And him and Isaac get along really well too. That's the cool part. Yes. Yeah. They are, they're not too far in age. I don't think. Uh, yeah, I don't know about that. I think Christian's a lot older than Yeah. Him. I don't know. Because cause I think Isaac just turned 20, so... Oh, I thought he was older. Yeah. He's just tall no, as hell, no. huh? Yeah, he was 10. Uh, Isaac was 10 when he started the show, so he's 20 now. Oh, shit. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Christian, Christian is... Uh, I don't know his exact age, but I would guess he's like 35 now, at least. I would I would say 35. Uh, Brand, uh, Isaac's just being able to get into the clubs. Exactly. <laughs> he's not even. But the, yeah. one thing... This show's done, which hardly any show's ever been able to do, was keep children aged well and keep the show going along. Like, the Walt Syndrome was just awful, and it it had to be written out of the show, which sucked. But there was no way to go that length of time with the same age-looking child, because they grow. But somehow these kids did it. Like, even the size of... Brand, but he's in a wheelchair, so it kind of downplays that that he could still be, you know, a, a teenager. Yeah, I'm. I I think all the kids did a great. I mean, they all did a great job in as far as the acting. Um, one of the things that I am sad about is 
the fact that Jack Gleason is not going to be acting anymore. As much as I hated Joffrey, um, he was excellent as as far as acting goes. So yeah, I always say that if there's an actor that can get me to hate his character, he's a good actor. Exactly. Yeah. Especially a kid, right? Yeah, and especially <laughs> knowing this was his first thing, and he's going on to be a Rhodes Scholar. Like once we started, I started reading about him, and you know, learning about different things from different podcasts. People talking about his career, I was like. Wow, this to do this on this level, on this kind of show, and then to be like one of the most hated characters ever on a show is impressive. So Christian's forty three. Oh wow, he's I old. just looked up. Sorry. Yeah, no, he's old. that's cool. All right, so I take back that, but that's cool that they're friends. Yeah, 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 man. All right, so uh, want to. Hit me with another point, and then uh, I'm gonna hit the you know hit the rest of the line down and start winding it no, down. No, go ahead. I'm I'm glad that uh, I was here. I really appreciate it. It's a lot of fun. All right. Well, thank you for carrying the. I'll be goal. around. I'll be around. All right. Yeah. Cool, man. Appreciate having you on. Absolutely. Uh, you have a good day. You too, Valamagulis. All right. Oh, we're having a lot of great great guests come with us tonight. Talk with us. And I want to bring a guest, if he's still around, that just jumped in late night. He hosts an initial reaction podcast. He hopes a deep dive. He hosts a show called uh, Daily DVR. Mr. Axel Foley, if you're out there, unmute yourself and uh, tell us what's up. Give us a little ratings. I don't remember hearing you ever rate this episode. Let's see what he's about. I don't know if he's out there. I see his little icon. He might just be listening in. But if that's the case, I'm going to bring Jim back. Well, actually, you know what? I mean, Vern's back. Vern, if you're still with us and you want to say something, hop on. Say what's up. I know it's probably uh, 5 o'clock in the morning, getting close to there. And uh, yeah, man. he's still, still here. With it. Yeah. <laughs> that's what I'm talking about. 5.30 a.m. Yes. I mean, Raver, Raver, Massey. We're going after hours <laughs> after. <laughs> yeah, um, I'm just thinking about um, Sandy and the Grey Worm. And they're not really getting much uh, love from their locals in um, Winterfell. You can tell they don't trust them. Uh, it's quite sad. And they've got their own plans for uh, when, when, if they survive the battle. Would you want to know what you thought of that? I thought it was one of the most logical conversations to have. No one else is thinking post-war. Like, I like that A, Grey Worm's thinking positively. Like, he wants a future. He wants something to happen. I like that he realizes this place probably isn't for us. Let's go back, you know, and to Essos and we'll find ourselves a nice place. We both know it. Um, it's just, it's cool to see. Um, and I don't think it's something Missandei would have ever even thought about. But now she has hope. And it's probably the only real couple on this show that is still existing. I, I mean, I, I'm thinking now. Nobody really is together on the show like they were. Uh, yeah, they're the last couple that's pr- pretty much around. So the fact that they're making plans, I like it. And I like you know, I didn't like the fact that people are looking at them like, you know, oh, who are these? Who 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 are these foreigners? Like in mm-hmm. Winterfell, 
but I feel like they after the battle they would warm up to them because mm-hmm. I don't know like they see how wicked the unsullied fight. <laughs> you know, I you gotta have respect for them. Damn right, mate. Damn right. And um, also about um, was it Davos Dab- um, doing the uh, soup kitchen thing? There was a little girl that looked like Shireen on it. She had like like burnt face. And I think he started to see that wee girl that got burnt at the stake from the the, the Red uh, Witch. You know what I'm talking about, Neil? You with me? Yeah. Yeah, man. So he um, he saw her, and I think he was getting like flashbacks and you know remembering her. Probably. I mean, it's <laughs> that's your the big woman you're you're into. I'm not. I mean, I don't know. You know, who does he like? If he, is he into that? What is he seeing? No, 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 Davos. You know when he was um, doing the soup, he was feeding people, wasn't he? Yeah. Okay. It's all gonna, yeah. There was a little girl that came up, and she was like, "I want to fight with the rest of them." Oh, you're saying with Shireen? I got you. I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah, oh, because she had a burnt face. Isn't definitely, it? yeah, yeah. I'm thinking of um, him thinking about that red woman. No, no, he's definitely thinking about <laughs> Shireen because yeah. that there's. I mean. Who else did he ever know that has a face like that? And hers looked like yeah. a burn. So, mm-hmm. I, you know, it, it's not grayscale, mm-hmm. but it, it can relate. And mm-hmm. the way she was so, like, willing to fight, like, that's true Davos style. Davos was like, he, he would have been that kind of attitude if he was on the other side of the of the line. So mm-hmm. he could respect that. And then, you know, that's like his little redemption for Shireen. Like I, that to me, that's one of the most bothersome parts of the show was that nobody really cared that that red priestess biatch yeah, just, burned mm-hmm. a little kid to for nothing. Yeah, for nothing. So these guys could eat, you know, uh, live another day through the night. Mm-hmm. Get the hell out of here! Come on, that girl taught one of the best guys that we love to read. Damn. <laughs> No, I, I, I feel you. I, I like that that girl because, like, not only did it give us that warm feeling with Davos, but it also showed us everybody's got a place. You know, like she was able to now feel her place and feel like she needed guarding the crypts. Mm-hmm. You know, with with all the women and children, and she didn't want to be stuck with the women and children, but she, now she's a purpose. And I, mm-hmm. I think that's like kind of the point of this episode. Everybody's purpose is coming out. You see, you know, Brienne getting knighted and they're making weapons and, you know, kind of just feeling their own. Like even the Sam conversation, Sam was, uh, you know, gonna, they got offered to go down to the crypts and he's like, nah, like I, I want to fight with you guys. So like everybody got a place. And mm. I think that's, you know, one of the biggest takeaways and, and that, Kind of, I guess, was a comforting feeling, at least to me. Yeah, man. I felt that. That was good. It was good. Cool, man. All right. We're getting, you know, pretty long here. I don't know if uh, you want to bring another topic up. If not, we're going to wrap it up and uh, get this thing edited up on the podcast feed. That's cool, man. I just want to say thanks for having me on. Um, Sorry if I was a little bit incoherent. It's a little bit early in the morning and whatnot, but um, it's been an honor. I've been listening for a long time to a lot of the guys from Lost. 
Chris Van Donald has lost. Um, but I, man, I could ring off names, man. Do you know what I mean? It's been going on for years. That's awesome. And, um, it's helped me come through a lot of um, health problems as well. <clears throat> when I couldn't really get out and socialise as much, it was nice to just have something to listen to. I did send in a few emails, but this is the first time I've ever called in or the first time I've ever done a podcast. I've done one before, but this is like the main one. And I've been pretty nervous about doing it. But I'm glad I did it uh, and I enjoyed it. So, um, you know, I hope I didn't mess up too badly and not, things went well. Not one bit. You hit it out of the park. I'm My pleasure to have you on for your first, like, official call-in to participate. Um, yeah, you know, I'm same boat as you. I've been listening to the Lost Myth Arc shows with Donald and these guys from the start, and that's how I got in. And it's a fun little community. And, you know, I know you're on the Patreon, and I appreciate that. I appreciate, you know, all the feedbacks, and you're welcome to call in anytime. Just send us an email, say you want in, and we'll send you the link. Nice, nice. Cheers, mate. Yeah, same to you. Thanks for having us. Absolutely. Yo, thank you for sticking up and staying up with us. <laughs> One love. Never sleep now. Never walk alone. Peace. All right. All right, so Vern's out, and we got Jim left. If if he wants to hop on, say the last piece, we'd love to have him on. And uh, I, think he's, I think he's coming. Jim. Yes, sir. Yes. We'll get you to say the final <laughs> word. You got it. Well, not much to say, man. Everybody's covered everything. It was good to uh, to participate. Thanks for having me on again, like others have said. Lots of good points. Um, the last, uh, just one thing, man. Ghost. Ghost coming back. I think that's the only thing that's left that we haven't covered. So it was good to see him. A uh, little bit of a teaser, a little bit of CGI. And I think he's going to play a big, uh, big role in the final battle next episode. I'm hoping he becomes Ghost Face Killer! <laughs> Never cook it, Ella! That would be awesome. Yeah, yeah. I just hope he doesn't end up like uh, like Summer, man. So, that's my only concern, you know, getting attacked by all these whites and <laughs> hopefully he makes it through, right? I was listening to a show today and someone said that uh, Nymeria is going to come with a whole pack of wolves and just take a whole side of the army and just start chowing them down. Well, that would, that would actually work out quite well, right? Dude, it'd be yeah, awesome. Everybody. Yeah, that'd be nice. Let's see if they saved all their money for that. Right? That's it. We, we're going to get three more episodes of talking and then a one episode of dog fighting. Just dire wolves. That's it. We put all money into wolves. <laughs> <laughs> and then everybody's going to complain. There's no more talking. Uh, oh, no. Peter. Yeah, man, no. Peter's banning the episode. <laughs> Yeah, it's uh, like I said, everybody's covered everything. It was good to hear everybody's voice. It was nice to, uh, you know, jump back on again. And uh, if you have me again, I'll be here, man. Yes, definitely. Shoot us an email next week. Let us know you're in. If you can make it, you know, that'd be awesome. We're going to do the same time. And while we were recording, I had Axel in the background working out some technical difficulties. And he recorded, uh, he recorded, he figured out. The audio trouble, and we'll be good to go for next week. So the nice. actual live broadcast will be with all of us instead of just me, and then dead air waiting for you guys to respond, yeah. and then me. So no worries, man. Yeah, we all got to start somewhere, right? That's so. it. 
we're making the transition, yeah. trying to trying to get down with the children of the future. You know, yeah, there you go. Children of the no, I was gonna say fourth, but yeah, <laughs> oh, they're no more, no more. All right, bud, Jim, thanks right, a lot, man. Yeah. You have a good one, and we'll see you next week. Eh? You too, Valamagulus. All right, Yes. Uh, all right, so we're at the end of the show, and before we started the show, I took this paper and I wrote a number on it, and I was gonna go. The sixth caller gets the pin. And I wasn't sure we are going to make it to six. I'm like, I don't know. So I might save it to like the sixth responder in the chat. But the recording didn't go too well live. And we did have more than six callers. Guess what? Guess who the sixth caller was? If you were keeping track, you would know. I kept track. It was Gina. That's right. Gina gets the hand of the king pin. She can give it, make it the hand of the queen pin. Whoever she feels deserves it. But she's the hand. That's right. Our good friends at cufflinks.com gave us pins to give out each week for the fan roundtable show that used to be called the fan call-in with a roundtable now. Bringing it around full circle. Giving Gina this pin. Thank you, guys. Thank you, Cufflinks. Thank you, everybody out there. Uh, you know, you guys have been phenomenal. We've been having a great show. Apologize for the technical difficulties. Anybody that was trying to join us on YouTube and chatting away in there, sorry. That's all I could say. But we will leave you with anticipation for next week that we'll be back bigger, better, better, stronger. And maybe with Axel. Who knows? Mike Hull. Maybe some more people call in. Some surprise guests. But if we got the same lineup, I'm happy with that. Had great guests. Had a great time. Had a great call. Till next week. ABC. Vala Magulis. I'm out. Peace.